Happy New Year to you. Hope you all had a um, hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Um, so yeah, this is a quick introduction. My name is Chase, and I'm here with Center for Jesus, and just super excited to be here. I honestly can't think of anything sweeter than, than to teach from the Word of God on the first day of the New Year. So super excited about that. So this morning we are going to learn from chapters one and two from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I believe that if we really listen to this message and apply it to our life, it will really help us within this new year. So I pray that we really just listen to this message and not only hear it, but listen and, and also to just apply it to our lives. So let me pray for us real quick and then we'll jump right into it. So Father God, we just come to you in your son's name and we thank you so much for this wonderful day that you've given us. Uh, this is what a great way to start the new year, this is to be around people, be around dirt bikes and also to hear and to learn from your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak through me. I pray that your Spirit would just speak to everyone that's here. And if there's anyone here that does not know you, I pray that today they would make that decision to accept your Son, Christ, as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that we would just take this learning from your Word and apply it to our lives. And Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book of Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. And to really understand this teaching, we need to understand who Solomon was. And Solomon, he was... The son of King David and when King David when he died Solomon he took over as king of Israel and Solomon he is known to be the wisest and richest man to ever live the Bible says in 2nd Chronicles chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 then God said to Solomon because this was in your heart and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies nor have you asked long life but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. And then Second Chronicles chapter 9, verses 22 and 23, it says, So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom, and all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. So this verse is teach us that Solomon was a wise and rich man. That he had more riches, more wealth than any king before him and any other king that will come after him. And what is very important here is that Solomon could have asked God for anything that he wanted to. He could have been greedy. He could have been selfish. He could have asked God for things that only benefited him. But Solomon asked God for wisdom. He asked God for knowledge that he could judge God's people correctly as king. And notice at the end of verse 12 in St. Chronicles chapter 1 when it says... And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. So that teaches us that Solomon was the richest king that has ever been and ever will be here on earth. So that's who Solomon was. Solomon, he was the son of King David. He was the king of Israel. And he was the wisest and richest king that has ever lived and ever will live while here on earth. And the importance of the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon writing how even though he had all the wealth and wisdom in the world, it was all meaningless. This book teaches us that worldly possessions, worldly wealth, it leaves us unsatisfied, it leaves us unempty, or it leaves us empty. So this morning we are going to break down parts of Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and 2 so we can learn of this powerful teaching from the Word of God. So let's break it down. So firstly, Solomon, he considered the outcome of pursuing wisdom. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, the Bible says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven. 
This burdensome task God has given to the sons of man by which they may be exercised. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity, a grasping for the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be numbered. I communed with my heart, saying, Look, I have attained greatness, and have gained more wisdom than all who were before me in Jerusalem. My heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge, and I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also was grasping for the wind, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So since Solomon received wisdom as a gift from God, Solomon was uniquely able to access the result of searching for knowledge apart from God. However, Solomon described it as madness and folly, a grasping for the wind. His assessment was that no matter how much wisdom humankind can possess, it is ultimately pointless compared to God's wisdom and his plans for our life. So secondly, Solomon, he, he pursued pleasure. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1-11, through 11, the Bible says, I said in my heart, Come now, I will test you with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. But surely, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine, while guiding my heart with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, so I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. I made my works great, I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards, I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants, and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold, and the special, and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. So Solomon, his assessment for chasing the things of this world, his assessment for finding pleasure in the things of this world was that it was all in vanity, that it was all meaningless, that there was no profit for it all. It was all meaningless. So then thirdly, Solomon, he assessed the work of his hands. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 17 through 26. Therefore I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing me. For all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Then I hated all my labor in which I had toiled under the sun, because I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a, w- a wise or full man. Yet he will rule over all my labor in which I toiled, and, w- and in which I have shown myself wise under the sun. This also is vanity. Therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. Yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. For what has man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. 
for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than I? For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. But to the sinner, he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity, a grasping for the wind. So there are three things that Solomon just gave us right there. Three assessments. Solomon, he had everything that this world could give him. He had all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the wealth in this world. And yet, he tried to find the pleasures of this world. He, he tried to search for it. And the assessment that he gave us was that it was all in vain, that it was all meaningless, that it still left him unsatisfied, that it still left him empty. And this teaching that we learn from this is that everything under the sun, everything that we chase in this world, it will one day perish, and it will all be for nothing. Because at the end of the day, we can't take the things of this earth with us to wherever we go. There, there is an eternity that we will go to somewhere, someday. And we cannot take our earthly possessions with us. So Solomon, he was a man who had everything that the world could give him. And yet he writes the book of Ecclesiastes to teach us that it's all pointless. And it's all pointless because the things of this world are not of God. Therefore, when you chase the things of this world, when you live like the world, you're living a life far away from God. Jesus, he said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible says, And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So this verse teaches that the world and the things in the world will one day perish. Everything that we chase in this world, the things that we think that we truly need, we don't need them. We need one thing, and that is God. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. That is what we need, because He is eternal. These things of the, of the world are not eternal. The things of the world will one day perish. So Solomon, in his writing, he used the word vanity a lot. And that word vanity, it means excessive pride in or admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. And he uses that word because that's what we do as humans. We work and we work and we work to get the next big thing. To only boast about it to our friends and family and to other people that, don't, that we don't even know. And with the presence of social media being the way that it is today, we see this so much. People boast about their appearance. People boast about in what they have. They boast about in their achievements. And they try to search and, and, and gain validation from people that they don't even know and from people who don't even care about them. And Solomon, he also writes the phrase, a grasping for the wind, many times. So let's, let's try to imagine this. So it says, grasping for the wind. So the wind, it's invisible, meaning that we can't see it. And when you grasp for something, it means you try to hold on to something firmly. So try imagine holding on to something firmly that you can't even see. What's the result? Nothing happens. Because you're trying to grab onto something that's not even there. So Solomon writes that phrase because it explains the pointlessness of obtaining earthly possessions. Just like the wind vanishing from you because you can't grasp it, so will your earthly possessions when this world is all said and done. Because like I said earlier, guys, you can't take your earthly possessions with you. It, they will one day vanish. So why then do we chase the things of this world? Well, I believe it's because of our sinful nature. The Bible teaches that we are born under the curse of sin, living in a corrupt world. Therefore, we desire worldly things. 
And secondly, I believe it's because we know deep down that there, that there is more to this world, that there is more to life than, than to just live, die, and cease exi- existing. So we try to find purpose. We try to find validation. We try to find reasoning within people and within this world. There's no point to life to just be born, go through the motions of life, and then there be no eternity. The Bible teaches that there is a purpose for your life, that there is an eternity. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So that verse teaches us that God has put eternity in our hearts. That is why we feel that there is more to life. That is why we feel that there must be an eternity. We know deep down. We truly know deep down in our heart that there is more to life. That there is something greater. There is something better for us. And that is. And the Bible teaches that that is eternity with God. And God, He gives us the promise of everlasting life with Him. He gives, he gives us the promise that when we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, they will never fade. Because heaven is eternal. God is eternal. And whatever God gives you, it can't be taken, nor will it vanish. The Bible teaches in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, that we are created in God's image and God's likeness. And the Bible teaches that God lives in eternity, that He is eternal. So God, who is eternal, who created us in His image and in His likeness, has set eternity in our hearts because that is where we belong. We belong to God. And throughout Scripture, it reveals to us that we are made to live with God for eternity. In the book of Genesis, it teaches us that. The Bible teaches that God, He created the heavens and the earth and all, and all the things that, within it. And then he, God then created male and female, which is Adam and Eve. And in that time, the world was perfect. Adam and Eve, they were perfect, and they were dwelling with God. They were in relationship with God, because that's how God designed it. God created humans for a specific reason, for a specific purpose, to glorify Him, to walk with Him, to do good works, and to be in relationship with Him for all eternity. However, even though the world was all perfect, even though Adam and Eve were dwelling with God, there was a choice made by Adam that caused the relationship between him and God to dissipate. Adam, he chose to sin against God. The Bible teaches that God gave Adam a simple command. And Adam chose to break that command, causing sin to enter the world, causing the world to be corrupt, and causing us to be born under the curse of sin and separated from God. The reason why Adam's choice caused sin to enter the world is because the Bible teaches that God is a pure, holy, and righteous God. And anything that goes against him, anything that goes against his moral law, such as disobeying him, is, called, is, is sin. And that causes separation from God. God, he would contradict himself if he allowed sin to be in his presence. He would jeopardize his character if he allowed that to happen. But the Bible teaches that God cannot go against himself. Therefore, what he says stands and his character never changes. So sin cannot be in God's presence. That's why there is that separation. So with sin in our lives, eternity with God can't happen. And the Bible teaches that if we live our lives chasing the world and living by its sinful desires, then our eternal destination is hell. But why hell? Because hell is the punishment for sin. Hell is eternal separation from God. And God, he gives us a choice. And I want to make this clear. God does not send anybody to hell. 
Rather, we choose if we go there or not because it all comes down to choice. We can choose to repent from, of our sin. We can choose to turn our life around. We can choose to live and, and serve and obey God. Or we can choose to go the other way. We can choose to live of the world. We can choose to live in sin and be eternally separated from God. God, He gives us choice. He gives us a choice because God wants us to choose if we want Him or not. He wants us to choose if we will love, serve, and obey Him. It all comes down to our choice. And like we have learned, the Bible teaches that God set eternity within our hearts, that we were made to dwell with Him for all of eternity. And God, He gives us the promise of eternal life that is through His Son, Jesus. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So the Bible teaches that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to this world to die for the sins of humanity, so that through our faith and belief in Christ, we can be forgiven of our sins, and we can be saved, and we can be in relationship with God. Like we have learned, this world, it gives us empty satisfaction. The things of this world perish, and it leads us down a road full of destruction. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. This verse perfectly tells us why we feel empty inside when we live like the world and chase the things of it. The things of this world are not of God. The things of this world wage war against your soul. They're not of God. That's why it wages war against your soul. So if you feel empty inside, it might be because you're chasing the things of this world. It might be because you're living like the world and you don't have Christ in your heart. Because the Bible teaches that true satisfaction, true complete, true completeness comes from Christ. And God, He gives us a beautiful promise that if we repent of our sin, and if we believe by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we have eternal life. We can be forgiven of our sin, and we can be saved. And that He will give us new desires to, to love Him, to serve Him, to obey Him. And we will be in relationship with God. And we will be filled with Him. We will be filled with true peace. We will be filled with true joy, satisfaction, and purpose. So if you're here today, and you have realized that you do feel empty inside, that, you, that, you, if you, that you've realized that you do live like the world, that you try to chase the world, that you try to obtain as many earthly possessions that you can, but you want that to change because you realize that it is all pointless. That you realize that it does lead down to a road full of destruction. And you realize that you, ha- that you are a sinner. And that you do break the law of God. And that you do need Him. You realize that. Because you, you have to realize that. If you truly want to be saved, you have to first realize that you are a sinner. And that you need a Savior. So if you're here this morning and you want that emptiness to be filled. then here's what the Bible says you must do. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Acts 3.19, it says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And then Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So right there, that's how you can be saved. That's how you can be forgiven. That's how you can be in relationship with God. You must confess to God that you have sinned against Him. 
And then ask God for forgiveness because the Bible tells us that He will forgive you and that He will purify you from all unrighteousness. Then you must confess to God about you, of your repentance. Now, repentance means to turn away from sin, to turn away from the world, and to turn your life to God and be committed to living a life for Him. And then you must confess to God that you, de- that you declare with your mouth that Christ is Lord and that you believe in your heart by faith that Christ died on the cross and that God raised Him from the dead. So if that's you today. If you've never done that, if you've never placed your faith in Christ and you want to be filled with, with Christ, you want, to, you want to feel satisfied, you want to be forgiven, you want to be saved, and you want to be in relationship with God for eternity, then in this moment, pray to God. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know how to pray to God. It's, it's easy. It's just, like, it's just like how I'm talking to you right now. Just talk to Him. It's a conversation. It's not a step-by-step process. You just talk to God. Talk to Him like you would anybody else. So if you want to be saved, you want to be with God for eternity, then right now, in this moment, pray to God and confess your sin to Him and ask for forgiveness. In this moment, confess to God that you repent of your sin, that you are turning your life to Him, that you are committing your life to Him. And confess to God in this moment that you declare that Christ is Lord and that you believe in your heart by faith that Christ died on the cross and that God raised him from the dead. Hey, this is Chase with Sending for Jesus. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. And if you made the decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, I just want to simply say that I'm proud of you and that I would love to stay connected with you. So in the description, there's a link that will take you to a digital form where you can fill out your information. So please click that link, fill out your information because I would love to stay connected with you so I can help you in your walk with Christ. Again, thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you here soon.